What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back on another edition of the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser. I am joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, we're recording this on a Tuesday evening, which is a little different than our Monday evening. A little technical difficulties, but nonetheless, here we are getting ready for the second straight Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl, uh, this time facing off with the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How you doing? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, as I'm sure most of Kansas City is also feeling today. And, you know, pretty much for the last week and a half or so of what it's been since they beat the Bills and won the AFC. But, yeah, I'm I'm fired up. I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to have a good show tonight. Yeah, dude, me too. We, uh, Me and my wife actually closed on our house on, on Thursday, so we're going to be moving. And, and the goal is to make sure that we are done moving and have everything in the house by Saturday. So Sunday, there's there's no distractions. There's nothing else going on. Just, just all attention on the Kansas City Chiefs and this Super Bowl. Um, first thing I kind of want to start out with is, is the news of the COVID COVID cases in Kansas City, uh, they got a couple players that had um, come in close contact. It was Demarcus Robinson and Daniel Kilgore, the backup center. The Chiefs actually brought in a backup, or not a backup, brought in a um, barber. And he came in to cut hair, and they actually did you know the full thing where they tested him for five straight days. And then the last day of testing, he actually came back, the, the rapid test was delayed for some reason, and it came back positive, and he had cut Kilgore's hair and Demarcus Robinson's. Luckily, no Chiefs, no other Chiefs as of yet have tested positive. Those guys didn't test positive. It was just a close contact, so if they're ready to go, um, or if they keep testing negative, they should be ready to go for the Super Bowl, but a little bit of a scare there to start the uh, week off. Yeah, and you know, this kind of one of those deals where they just got to find a way to make it until Saturday, and then they'll be in that all-clear zone. They should be all clear from, you know, negative or from positive tests from the game versus Buffalo, especially with the two-week off period. So I think they'll be fine from that. And at this point, it's just making sure these guys are isolating, making sure they're staying away from other people so that, you know, get them in, get them out of the facility. I'm sure they're being really super vigilant on the locker room and things like that this week as well. So, yeah, they're going to be doing their absolute very best with that. But even with COVID, there is still a game this week. And I think several months ago, I think a lot of people had a hard idea believing that there was going to be an NFL season. But by God, they have found a way to pull it off and they are getting ready to play the final game, which in is the NFL's dream matchup because they're getting the, uh, you know, Tom Brady, who a lot of people consider the greatest quarterback of all time, pretty hard to argue against that, versus Patrick Mahomes, who is now the new face of the league. Yeah, and let's start right there with with the conversation and kind of the legacy and what this means for a Patrick Mahomes because if you're looking at it, like you just mentioned, Tom Brady has played in so many Super Bowls and this is his 10th one. You know, he's going after his seventh ring, I believe. It is something where if Pat, if Patrick Mahomes wants to be considered 
at one point, you know, at the end of his career, if he wants to be considered the best quarterback to ever play the game, you can't, you can't lose to Tom Brady in this one. Um, it's a game where you have to go out and you have to perform well. You have to win. You have to possibly get another Super Bowl MVP um, just to keep the story alive. Because if you don't beat Brady in the head-to-head, then you have no shot of ever being considered the greatest quarterback of all time. Because everybody, every single time it's brought up, is just going to say, well, he had a chance to beat him you know, head-to-head, and he didn't do that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that 100%. It's the head-to-head that matters. And, you know, even though right now I believe in their matchups, what are they're tied two and two because – or no, yeah, they're tied two and two because uh, the 2018, both of those losses, the regular season and the AFC Championship game. Then last year, obviously, Mahomes got the better of him in Foxborough. And then even this past year, Mahomes went out and put on a historically dominant day in Tampa Bay earlier this season where him and Tyree Kill might have connected on a deep ball or two. But you could throw out all the regular season matchups because the one thing that matters is that 0-1 in the AFC Championship game, 0-1 in the playoffs. So he's going to be coming in there with that extra motivation. And mind you, in that playoff game, in the first half, Mahomes did leave a few throws on the field. While in that first half of that game, Brady played fairly flawlessly. And then in the second half you know, of that game, Brady showed his age and Mahomes showed why he's special in the end. It just all came down to the fact that the Patriots won the coin toss and they got the ball first because it was one of those scenarios. I don't think Patrick Mahomes has forgotten about that, but I'm also sure that Tom Brady knows what he's about to get because, you know, we like we always say, when Mahomes makes his mind up, he's going to do something. He gets the job done more often than not. It's so funny, too, because when you look at these two guys, um, just all ultra uber competitive, right? obviously Brady 43 year old, 43 years old doing what he's doing. You can't, you can't not be super competitive like the way that he is um, and play this long in the NFL and play at such a high level like he has been. And then you see Mahomes and everybody has kind of seen him when he's been slighted, what, um, what he makes of it and how he, and how he responds to it. So I'm sure both of these quarterbacks know kind of what this means for their legacy. Obviously, you know, they'll never say it because that's kind of who they are, but they'll talk about how much they want to win for the team and get another championship for the team and for everybody. But, you know, in the back of their head that it's like, hey, if, if I want to solidify my legacy, if for Brady, it's I'm going to, I got to win this next ring here against this new up and comer, you know, this new superstar in the NFL. And if it's Mahomes, it's, I got to take down the, one of the best to ever do it, you know. So both of those guys in the back of their head are going to have that. And it's funny, you know, I was listening to an interview with uh, um, the Bucks quarterback coach, and he was saying basically just how competitive Brady really is. And, and he actually coached when he was in, in Indianapolis, he coached uh, Peyton Manning as well. He was the quarterback coach there. And that's something that he talked about with Manning too, just how much of a competitor He was, and I guess that's, you know, you look at some of the all-time greats, and it really is kind of what separates them, I would say, is their uber-competitiveness in everything that they do. Yeah, and if you look at Tom Brady's career arc, he has taken out several potential dynasties, and some of those teams had losses that they never rebounded from. I say that because I have a lot of friends from the St. Louis area, and at one point, they thought the St. Louis Rams were on their way to being the next great dynasty in the NFL until they ran into a very young Tom Brady. 
in that 2001 Super Bowl in which the Patriots did win on a last second field goal. And, you know, they've obviously also beaten Andy Reid in the Super Bowl and he was coaching Philadelphia. Um, they've lost to or they were able to knock off the defending champions in the Seattle Seahawks. And at the time, uh, the up and comer on that game was Russell Wilson, who a lot of people were starting to consider that elite guy. So Brady's always been able to establish himself as the best player in the game, and he's been able to defend the title. And as impressively as it's been, he's been able to do that for 20 years now. Well, now we're getting to that point where he doesn't have a whole lot left in the tank. You know, you can see it with him throwing on film. You can see it with him doing all the game stuff that he's able to do. It's not the same Brady. It's He's been in the decline for a few years now, but he's still smart enough of a player, and he still has just enough of an arm to be able to put the ball where it needs to be most of the time. This is the best shot for somebody to be able to take him out, though, and to be able to finally pull the rain away from him because you know it feels like for so long now it feels like even though Mahomes has done great he's still been looming in the shadow of Brady this is a time for him to go in there and claim what is rightfully his and finally take out the guy who's dominated the league for 20 years you know I don't want to I'm trying not to be cliche and say it's the passing of the torch because that's what everyone's wants it to be that's what everyone claims it is but it's more than just that it's about it's about becoming the face of the league in a lot of those respects certainly is and you can already start to see it with with how Mahomes is kind of plastered everywhere you look with him and he he is just such a he's basically everything if you're an NFL guy if you're an NFL media guy he's everything that you want in somebody to be the face of the league you know he's super competitive he's successful he's charismatic he he's good in the community. He gives back. He, him and his fiance Brittany are doing a ton for Kansas City, you know, with the other sports teams and stuff. He's got his own foundation. I mean, he's everything that you want to be the face of the franchise. And this is, like you said, this is kind of that next step. You know, you gotta, you gotta go earn it the full way. You gotta go take it from the guy that, that has it right now. Um, and that, and that is Tom Brady. One of the big things that for him this in this game that is going to help him take that is the play of the offensive line. And it's been talked up quite a bit already since last week, but for good reason, Kansas city is going into this game, you know, down pretty much every starter and almost every backup. The only starter that they have in there from the beginning of the year is Austin Ryder, basically, um, or that should be the starter. You know, they're going to have to move Andrew Wiley, probably most likely out to tackle, put Stephen Wisniewski at guard, and this is kind of the matchup that everybody's going to be looking to. Ken, Shaq Barrett, JPP, and Dominican Sue. Can these guys get pressure with their front four against this Kansas City offensive line that you could probably argue is probably the worst offensive line ever to play in a Super Bowl together? It is, in my opinion, the worst offensive line to ever play in a Super Bowl together. And to make things even more comical, Mike Rivers is about to be playing his third position of the season, assuming he goes out there and lines up at left tackle. But I think it was interesting to say this because, yes, the Chiefs' offensive line is battered up. And, yes, the Buccaneers' defensive front has been very effective in the playoffs thus far. But these guys are older and slower than the team the Chiefs saw last year in the Super Bowl when, you know, the offensive line had more continuity at that point, and they were obviously better with them what they have now. But 
that D-line last year, you know, Nick Bosa and Buckner and Armstead and all those studs they had for San Francisco, Andy Reid had a plan for how to handle that. He's going to have a plan for how to handle it now. It's going to be a lot of quick passes. There probably is going to be a screen pass or two, if you can imagine. And even though the Bucks are one of the best defenses in the NFL, I believe they're ranked number one in defending the run just because they have excellent linebackers in – uh you know, the Levante, David, Devin White, and then obviously their front guys, you know, their space, they got their space eaters, Vita Vea and Sue, and then Shaq Barrett and JBB. They're grizzled against the run. I don't think they're going to be able to stack the box like they want to, but I also don't think they're going to be able to play dime because I saw something that they've only played about 10% of their snaps in dime. And I know that was one of the big things people worry about. They're like, oh, well, what if they just want to get into dime and then just play a bunch of that? They don't have the defensive backs. They don't have the depth in their secondary to do that. I think that they're just going to try to rush Mahomes, get pressure with five to six each time because that's what they do despite Mahomes being good at that. But for the Chiefs, it's going to be about getting the ball out of Mahomes' hand quick, getting the running backs involved in some quick things out of the backfield, getting the, you know, obviously they're going to want to try to attack the edges with McCole Harmon and Tyree Kill on their jet sweeps and reverses. And, you know, Travis Kelsey, I think this is the week he goes off and he has his monster, another monster performance. We see him be the difference maker just because I think that last time, you know, Mahomes lit them up all over the place. They were nervous, but I think the big storyline in this game is going to be to see how those guys decide. They decide to pass rush on Mike Rimmers as well as Andrew Wiley at the tackle positions. I'm I'm going to be very interested too to see, you know, what the Bucks do if they come out and they try to put some pressure on the receivers and play press a little bit and throw the timing off and knowing that the Chiefs offensive line is banged up and you know saying hey their line's banged up we can get after these guys with four let's press and disrupt these wide receivers so they can't get this quick game off or hey let's just keep everybody in front of us. And we'll we'll live with you know those guys making five yard catches or whatever. But I, I I don't know. I think the argument is to be made is if you give them space and they're going to catch it and they're going to turn five yards into forty in a flash. I mean we've seen that Tyreek and McCall Hardman do that all year. Um, I think that like you said, Andy Reid will have a game plan. I think you'll see. I think you'll see some play action stuff early. I think you'll see some sprint outs early. I think that you're going to see jet sweeps and, and misdirection and counters off of that where, you know, the defensive ends, they're going to have to worry about pulling pulling linemen on counters and stuff. Um, so they're going to get a lot thrown at them, I think, to make them think, you know, hey, what what's coming next? And that's going to slow them down just enough so that, you know, Mahomes will have time back there. You know, we'll see we'll see the RPO game. I think pretty early in this. Um, I don't, I don't think that um, Kansas city is going to want to stay with it too long because I think the more that, you know, they allow you to run the, the more you're playing into their hands. But I do think that they're going to want to do that a little bit early to see, Hey, let's, let's see what this Bucks defense is going to do. Are they going to come out and play as differently than they did in the first half of the last meeting? Or are they going to come out and, and change it up a little bit? Cause we saw in the set, the set, the second half of the first meeting, they did start to change it up a little bit. They played a little bit softer. They moved a little bit more to too high. They were given a, a little bit more help over to Tyreek. Um, I'll be interested to see if that's, you know, what is the game plan to kind of help them. But like you said, I, I think offensively, Andy Reid's going to come up with stuff to help his offensive line. 
Absolutely. And I think I need to bring this up real quick because I believe when the Chiefs had just signed Mike Rimmers and we've been talking about the Chiefs' possible depth rotations on a sh- on many a shows ago, I had brought up Mike Rimmers and kind of his career history of being like that every down like utility guy who can fit in anywhere and everywhere. Right now, he's looking like the Chiefs' free agent offsiding of this past year or whatever just because he's come in and exceeded expectations. I bring this up because in 2015, he was an every down guy for the Carolina Panthers and they made the Super Bowl that year and they happened to go against the Denver Broncos who at the time did have Shaq Barrett, but they also had a man named Vaughn Miller. And in that Super Bowl, Rimmers was responsible for giving up a couple of sacks, giving up a couple of those things that led to the Panthers losing a couple of forced fumbles on Newton. Now, obviously, this is at the height of Vaughn Miller's career when he was rushing the passer as good as anyone ever. But if I'm Mike Rimmers and I see all the Jason Pierre-Paul stuff saying he doesn't even know who that is or he doesn't see all that, that's got to fire you up a little bit, you know, because a lesser guy, a lesser player, he might have folded and he might have never recovered from such a bad game on such a big stage where everyone in the world saw you playing that bad. And, you know, he's continued his career and all of a sudden, six years later, he's this veteran guy who Andy Reid describes as a bearded warrior out there who just goes in and does his job and goes to battle every play for his guys. Well, now he's got a chance to protect Patrick Mahomes' blindside in the biggest game of Patrick Mahomes' career and the biggest game of the Chiefs' season. They don't write too many redemption stories like this because a lot of the times in the NFL, guys never get their redemption story. They only get one shot just because of how competitive the league is. But this could be one of the all-time redemption stories in the NFL if Mike Rimmers is able to go out here and have a good game. And Mike Rimmers does one thing well. He quick sets guys pretty well. So I think it'll be interesting to see if he utilizes that, especially on some of these quick passes, to keep these edge guys guessing for the Buccaneers. Yeah, I think that's one of the keys, too, is you can't just get comfortable and and – continually do the same pass set over and over again you're gonna have to mix it up and I think that's what made a guy like Mitchell Schwartz so good like he was so good at you know one minute he's jump setting the next minute he's normal doing his normal set and then he was just so good at changing up and understanding who he's going against and and, you know what their strengths were and how to kind of eliminate that so um, it'll be interesting to see too you know how much Rummers is able to to do with some of that stuff and like I said I, I think that you know again you'll see all the different stuff Andy Reid has in store. He'll have a tight end chip. He'll, you know, he'll reduce splits um, and, and chip with a receiver like we've seen sometimes with Byron Pringle that when he's in there. Um, Sammy Watkins is really good at it if he's healthy and, and being physical. So they'll find ways. You know, Nick Kaiser, Daryl Williams, this could be a big game for him if they're throwing a lot and he needs to be in for pass protection. He's a guy you could see because he's he is a solid pass pro guy and he's somebody that the Kansas City Chiefs trust to do that. When we've, I mean, we've said that we said that in the off season that he was a guy that don't be surprised if he has a bigger role than you think right now, even with the Le'Veon Bell sign. And sure enough, here we are in the Super Bowl talking about you know he he's coming off of a game where he basically took fifty five percent of the snaps um, in front of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Now, granted, granted Clyde's a little bit banged up, but. Um, He's still he's still in there being productive, and they trust him to to do that kind of stuff. So I, I like that. I, I do like 
a little bit of the play action stuff too to see if it will slow these guys down and it's not like you even have to be effective in running but just the threat of it you know just the threat of it early just to say hey we're we're gonna do this and if you do sit back we I think they can run effectively they don't have to be great at it but just you know when you decide to run be efficient you know get four five six yards and and, and I think you'll be that'll be a solid game plan for them. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, they're not going to be doing it every down, but if they can get you to catch them in some light boxes, catch them kind of spread out, they can bust a few runs up in there. That's obviously going to be good just to help the flow of the game. Cause you know, one of the best ways to slow down good pass rush is to be able to run the ball effectively. Cause for all the reasons you said, it just keeps them guessing. They can't get off the line of scrimmage as fast because they got to be looking I'd look for probably a couple of draw plays in there also to kind of mix things up or some delay type action, maybe some edge type runs. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and, of course, how Mr. Andy Reid decides to utilize those guys. So, yeah, I'm pretty fired up to see what the offense does, especially with the guys banged up up front. And if Patrick Mahomes goes out and dominates this game, with that offensive line up front, I think that's just a testament to how special he is and how special this organization is. Before we go to like defense, I think it's kind of weird because this week on like multiple different accounts on Twitter, I've seen people like criticizing uh, criticizing Clyde Edwards-Elaire for I don't really quite understand why. I know that you know, I guess he hasn't lived up to people's expectations of how his season should have gone, even though I thought this was about as solid a rookie year for him as possible. Now, obviously, he's still banged up, but do you think that he's met the expectations that the Chiefs set for him coming in as a rookie in the COVID year? And, you know, he has he had over 800 receiving yards. He's had close to three or 800 rushing yards. He's had close to 300 receiving yards. And on the season, he's averaging 5.5 yards every time he touched the ball. So does those kind of live up to your expectations from what you saw? Or do you did you kind of want more from him this uh, season? No, I, he's exactly what I wanted, hoped, and thought he would be. He's the guy that we talked about when he was drafted, that when teams play light boxes, which they do at the highest rate in the NFL, Kansas City sees more too high than any team in the NFL, he eats them alive. Whenever teams have tried to do that, he has been effective when they try to run the ball. Now, do you want Clyde Edwards-Alaire getting 25 carries a game? Because I personally don't. I think he is there to when he gets 15 touches a game, whether that be catching or or rushing he's effective with them and that's what he is he's a guy that's going to win one-on-one battles he linebackers can't tackle him one-on-one in the hole safeties cannot come down and tackle him one-on-one in the hole when they're trying to insert down into the run into the run fits um and he's a guy that you know he is an effective wide receiver but it's not something where they they need to be forcing him the ball i don't think too because if you're throwing him the ball more you're throwing the ball less to Travis Kelsey into Tyreek Hill, which has been in a pretty effective game plan, I would say, this year for the Kansas City Chiefs. He, he's everything I wanted and hoped for. And I, I go back to the quote that kind of Brett Veach said um, when they talked about getting a running back. And he said, you know, when we have it blocked up perfect and we should be getting eight, we can't be getting four. And that was in reference to Damian Williams not having very good vision and consistently missing holes, even when they have it blocked up well, which hurts hurts the run game. 
Now, this year I'll say the, the line has been pretty poor, and he has still been very, very good, I would say. You know, where, you know, you come in as a rookie and you're doing that and you're still putting up over a 1,000 yards of all-purpose yardage, that's pretty effective and pretty good in, in an offense where you're just another piece. It's kind of the same argument that people have against McCole Hardman. Oh, he's not he's not an X. He's, he's not a perfect route runner. He's not this. He's not that. It's like, well, you're looking at it the wrong way. You're looking at it from a point of this guy needs to fit into this hole where he fits perfectly into the offensive system of what they're running. And that's kind of how Clyde is too. Yeah. A hundred percent tenfold on all of that stuff. I know come draft season, a lot of people are going to be really upset when the chiefs drafted offensive linemen in either the first or the second round or, uh, or would be even more funny is if they drafted alignment in the first and second round, they're going to be talking about all these receivers on the board. And I'm just going to be like, well, we have Tyree kill and we have Travis Kelsey and we have Patrick Mahomes. And I'd say, well, we should be fine to go. So I didn't mean to get too much into that stuff with the draft though. I just wanted to see what your take was on that, but defense is going to be another interesting matchup because since the chiefs played the Buccaneers last time, which to be honest with you in the first half of that game, it was a domination. The defense completely dominated Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Brady was inaccurate. He was showing his age and, you know, Spags was dialing just the perfect blitzes, those kind of those little middle inserts and they were getting the ball out of Brady's hands quick and not really giving the Buccaneers guys time to get into their routes. And so since then they've turned it on. I don't think they've seen a secondary as good as the chiefs since then, but you know, the Chiefs did kind of let them back into that one a little bit with uh, just because I think that Andy Reid was comfortable with the amount of points that the Chiefs had scored, and there was not a ton of time. And a lot of that was just garbage time for the Patriots, even though it did end up being fairly close down the line. But if you go back and look at it, the Chiefs got guys like Armani Watts on the field in the secondary, giving up a couple of big plays there. So. There was that, but where are you seeing the Spags versus Brady matchup? Because they're about to meet again, and they have a little bit of history together, as everyone knows. So this is this is the way that I kind of look at it. One, the Bucks wide receivers are outstanding. Okay, so Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, these guys are all extraordinary weapons. I, I think that. If you look at the Kansas City secondary, um, you know, great quote from Bashad Breland today. He said, you know, we're, he was asked about playing these Bucks wide receivers. He said, man, you better put on your big boy britches and get ready to box out because these are, you know, Godwin and Evans, these are big physical wide receivers on the outside. You're going to have to really be physical and meet them at the catch point and be able to punch balls out and rip balls out of hands because they, they'll go up and get it and they'll do that. Um, it's, it's crazy, though, but the Chiefs have allowed the second-fewest yards to wide receivers this year. Um, but, on the other hand, they've given up the third most to tight ends on the year. And if you think about it, when you're watching the film, there, there's a few things that stand out. You think even back to this Buffalo game, they smothered the wide receivers on the outside. They did an outstanding job. But they even let Dawson Knox, who's not a very great tight end, they let him loose a few times. You know, you think um, back even to this matchup previously – with the Bucks, I, I posted a thread on Twitter um, at JDiz1617 of basically that drive that they came out in the second half. They're down 20 to 7. I said, okay, 20 to 7, second half, let's come out and see what the Bucks' offensive game plan when they came out was. Well, 
Typical Bruce Arian stuff. He sees man. He motions a wide receiver in. They run the ball. They force DBs to make tackles on running backs one-on-one in the hole. If he wasn't doing that, it was all Rob Gronkowski. It was a slant to Rob Gronkowski out of the slot. It was play action, deep cross to Rob Gronkowski, 48. In the red zone, he missed him on a fake jet action um, boot to the right where he ended up, Brady ended up dumping it off the Leonard Fournette for a, a gain of minus four. And, and he actually had Rob Gronkowski open in the end zone. And actually it was the Chiefs did a pretty good job. They had that jet sweep motion that the Bucks did and they're playing man coverage. And when Snead got passed off to him and he was going across the formation, he actually bumped Damian Wilson off of the coverage and it allowed Gronk to get open coming across the field. Um, and then on the next play, I believe after that, they ran another another play to Gronk, and it was incomplete, and they settled for a field goal. So it was literally all run the ball at Rob Gronkowski. I, I would expect him to be a pretty big piece of this Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, game plan. Now, obviously, they're going to try to get the ball to their, their receivers on the outside, but I think they're really going to look towards the slot in Antonio Brown and Rob Gonkrowski, try to take advantage of Daniel Sorensen if he's matched up or these linebackers if they get matched up. And you know Tom Brady's not afraid to dump off the ball to running backs and Leonard Fournette. And, and really that's the weakness of the Kansas City defense is that underneath stuff with Sorensen and the linebackers trying to cover guys. Ben Neiman, Ben Neiman, I saw the stat today and I almost threw up. Ben Neiman has been in um, coverage 655 snaps in the NFL, and he has yet to have a pass breakup or an interception, which is just, you should be able to luck yourself in to getting a pass breakup or an interception in that many snaps. So so he's due. I would hope so. Holy cow. Good Lord, man. Get in the way somehow. But that's where I'm thinking that they're going to look. They're going to look inside. But I I like Snead. I think that that's a big difference. Snead was just coming back from injury in that matchup. He is not the same player that he was, you know, six weeks ago. So I like him on the inside. I think that they'll bring pressure. They pressured Brady a ton. And that's what I'll ask you. How much do you think that they'll go after him? Because I think it's a lot. Steve Spagnola didn't get to the Super Bowl just to not pressure Tom Brady. I uh, had some free time last night, and I went back and watched the 2007 Super Bowl where Steve Spagnola's excellent defense was going against uh, the – probably one of the greatest football teams in the history of all time, that undefeated Patriots squad who eventually met their demise in that game. Even in that game, Spags, you know, they have a great defensive line, but he was still dialing up pressure with Brady, still bringing as many as the Patriots wanted to block. And I think that's the most important thing to remember. I see a lot of people saying maybe the Chiefs could get conservative. The Chiefs did not get here to this point in the season to get conservative in the biggest game. I know everyone was saying they might be conservative in their blitzing of Josh Allen next week to not let him kill them. It was the exact opposite. I think they had one of the highest blitz percentages of any team in a game of the entire season. I think they were rushing him and blitzed like almost 40% of the plays, if not more, last week. But it was different kinds of blitzes we're going to see this week. I went back and looked at the tape. The things that make Tom Brady get the ball out quick and not throw it well have been the little Chiefs bring like the little bozo from the middle. With they and they do a good job of mixing it up between Sorensen and Matthew. But when they went to play them the first time, they're bringing these pressures up the middle, and they'll bring on a Daniel Sorensen. He'll come in. The running back will step up to fill. Uh, Turk Wharton did an outstanding job of 
taking on two blockers and really doing a good job of making of not letting the two offensive linemen off of him because they could have a free guy but then we saw this from both Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman and I actually thought it was funny to watch this from Neiman as much as we all love to hate on him and as bad as he's been he has played linebacker in a lot of the Chiefs like passing down situations or dime situations and it's funny because I don't think they were really expecting it but as soon as Sorensen would go through the B gap Neiman would cross over and head back through the exact opposite B gap or Hitchens and it would basically be a free shot on Brady. It would basically be a situation where he has to get the ball out and that forced a lot of inaccuracy from him you know, because he's not the same guy he used to be so I think that they're gonna we're gonna see quite a few amount of blitzes. The other thing I'll be interested in seeing is if they line Chris Jones up on the edge some. And the reason I say that is because he actually generated a little bit of success when matching up with the tackles of the Buccaneers. They're two bigger guys. Tristan Worfs is their right tackle. I can't remember their left tackle's name off the top of my head, but they both are more power-based players. And, you know, the Tampa Bay is a classic pocket team, so they don't have to run out or do a whole lot. That Chris Jones is really good at taking players with size, and, you know, they're not used to edge rushers as big and strong as him. He got a few decent rush offs. I'll be interested to see if they go back out there with that. And, you know, I hate to say it because, you know, he's not really lived up to his contract this season but Frank Clark does have seven postseason sacks after he recorded two a week ago. If there were ever a week for us to see him go back into shark mode, go into playoff Frank mode again, it would be this week because if they can get pressure off the edge and up the middle, I really think that they could make, give Tom Brady a hard time figuring out what he wants to do. But, of course, this is the best secondary I think I can ever remember the Chiefs having, so I think they'll be ready to go as well. Yeah, in Donovan Smith is the left tackle there that you can think of. Um, but t- to your point with the blitzing and the rush and stuff, it's it, when you rush a guy like Josh Allen that they had to play two weeks ago, and you're if you play man behind that, there's always the threat that Allen can get out of the pocket and create stuff out of the pocket. You're not so much worried with that with Brady. He's not going to take off and run for twenty yards. He's not going to hurt you. Yes, he has arguably some of the best pocket movement you'll ever see from a quarterback from an athleticism standpoint in the pocket. He might be the best ever to do it. He, he is, he is, he finds ways to slide in, in inside the pocket and find throwing angles and stuff like that. But he's not like, even like a Mahomes where Mahomes can get out of the pocket and runs outside the pocket and makes throws. Brady's not so much a guy that's going to do that. So it, a lot of the times too, I think against Josh Allen, those defensive ends, Frank Clark and that, when he would rush, they're rushing to contain. They're not going to scream up the field and, and try to bend and just get pushed out of the pushed out of the passing passing pass rush lane because if they do, that creates lanes for Josh Allen to run through. So in a game like this, you can go, man. You, whatever your best pass rush move is, get get on the edge, get after it, go after them, force Brady to step up into pressure. And that's the one thing you've seen throughout his career. He does not like pressure up in the middle and in the gut. And that's what you just talked about kind of with those blitzes from the linebackers where, where they're, they did a great job really disguising where they were coming from. And they pretty much just went opposite the slide. It almost, it seemed like the, the box would make their call and they'd slide away from the back and the linebackers to the slide side would just loop around and blitz the back from that opposite side. So 
where the center is supposed to be picking up that linebacker. He can't come across the formation to be able to get there. So um, I, I would expect some of that. And they'll, they'll do their disguises. And Legereus Sneed will probably get a sack again because he he, he said he'd never ever Stud. rushed before in college. And now all of a sudden he's got four sacks uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. So he'll find his I tell way you to be Honey Badger too, you know. I, I tell you what, I would – Whenever you're getting into these second matchups for guys along the defensive line, this matchup favors the defensive lineman versus the offensive lineman. And I can say this with just a touch of experience on it. The second time you see someone as an offensive lineman is a lot harder because in that time, they defensive lineman has had a chance to come up with a different pass rush plan, but they also know that you can only do so much as a lineman. You can only block the protection as it's called. And a lot of the times guys are, you know, you can only jump set a guy so many times and it has to be the right situation and all that. So I would not be surprised to see maybe Frank Clark, Chris Jones, or even our guy Turk Wharton perhaps get a couple of pass rush moves off just from a film study and from working with Brendan Daly this week. That's just something I wanted to throw in there real quick because I do I can attest that it is harder to block someone the second or even third time you have to do it because they can always keep coming up with a new move and they can find that one thing that you may not even know at the time is a weakness in your game. Like Donovan Smith had a couple of chances where Frank Clark had ripped back inside, he could have put an inside pressure on. So it'll be interesting to see how all that ends up playing out. And then you get, you know, you talked about Chris Jones playing a little bit on the edge. If you do that, then you're able to start playing the games where, you know, if they get a lead and the Bucks have to start throwing, now if you want to get some pressure or simulate some pressure, you can simulate pressure on one side and then you can also have Chris Jones you know, with maybe a Turk Wharton running some stunts on that side where, you know, Turk is, is crashing in and, and Jones is looping um, into the A-gap. So I, I like that idea quite a bit. You know, obviously, uh, Worfs being a rookie, he has played tremendous this year, but I, I think you're going to want to test him and, and really see what he's able to pick up and what he knows in pass pro and, and get your guys on him, put Jones on him, put Clark on him, um, show some blitzes at him, show pressure, show simulated pressure, you know, and, and it's not so much screwing with, with Brady. It's screwing with your, your rookie tackle and figuring out, you know, Hey, can he handle this pressure? Does he know the calls? Does he know where he's going when the spotlight's the biggest? Um, you know, let's find out whether he knows or not. So I, I like that idea a lot getting pressure on him um, for sure. The one thing that they will have to do for certain too is make sure that they uh, stop the run early because, like I said, the Bucks came out in that second half and they were very content with starting to run the ball. Um, and they, they want to be able to run the ball because Brady's more comfortable um, when he's able to get the get the play action stuff and you know just turn and throw the ball to, to Gronk coming across the middle, to Antonio Brown going across the middle, and, and being able to run the ball really, I think, just makes Brady feel more comfortable um, when he's doing that because that's what he did when he was with the New England all those all those years. If you had to choose with matchups, if they're in man, are you putting Breland on Evans and Ward on Godwin or vice versa? Because I think you're going to see most of those guys – on the outside, if Brown is on the outside, you probably want Ward on him, right? Yeah, I would go ahead and let old Breland cover Mike Evans just because he's had two interceptions on Tom Brady in the last two seasons. 
and somehow Bashad Breeland's always seemed to play his best, and I feel like they're going to try to get Evans, their guy, going early. So I'd look for like those other matchups. You know, they'll I bet you they'll probably mix it up with Ward and Sneed and kind of between Godwin and Brown and do just kind of whatever there, put them on whoever's got to do it and just, you know, make sure it works out. But they're probably going to have Breland, at least I would say, on Mike Evans for most of the game. But I would also look for the Chiefs, even though they do play such a high percentage of man defense like they did last time. I'd be looking for old Spags to maybe be dropping a couple of zone in there every once in a while and maybe give the Chiefs secondaries a chance to be able to go after Tom Brady because, you know, you want to look back to that game. Yeah, Tom Brady looked awesome in the first half against the Packers and their incompetent defensive coordinator and some of the things that they were doing in that game. Spags is much smarter than that, but also Tom Brady threw some interceptions in the second half of that game, and if you throw interceptions against the Chiefs, if you give that Chiefs offense extra possessions, they will make you pay every time, and you can even ask you know, guys like Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield about that. Yeah, that, that, that is for sure, and like you said, I think that Spags will be ready. The defense will be ready. I know Reed will be ready. He'll have a game plan for the O-line and, and for the entire offense, and they'll, they'll be ready to go. There's no question in my mind about that. All right, before we get out of here, prediction time. I want to hear your prediction and kind of give me uh, give me your thoughts of how, how you think the game will go and why you think the score will be what it is. Here's something to remember, because I know a lot of people think this is going to come in here and be a blowout, kind of like it was the first time. Here's something that I just want every Chiefs fan to remember. You know, it's the NFL and this kind of thing. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. You also got to look at it from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers perspective. Bruce Arians has been an excellent head coach. He coached a lot of really good Cardinals teams. He really was just a really great coach when he was with the Steelers. This is the first time he's ever been to the big dance as a coach. And, you know, I'm sure you can look no further than Andy Reid to know that you know, you have to be able to take advantage of those situations because it may never come back again. And then you look at some of the guys on the Bucks team, you know, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, who's to say this isn't the last time they ever play in a Super Bowl. And then on that defensive side of the ball, you know, Imdana Kinsu has been a great player for years now. He's still, this is the first time he's ever been in the Super Bowl. You take a look at all these guys, you know, JPP, this could be his last trip back, Levante, David. These are all guys who have been striving for this their entire career, and now this is their shot. This is their chance. They, you don't get a lot of redos, so we got to know they're going to come out and be fired up and be ready to go. And obviously Brady is the master, have been there, done that before. But if you look at the recency, the Chiefs, this is what they live for. This is what the whole run it back tour, this is what the slogan and all the campaigns and everything has been for. This is what them basically sacrificing their life from, you know, July into uh from July until February, them not being able to go do things that normal people can, not even being able to do something as simple as go to your barber and get a haircut. They've sacrificed all that to come into this game and be ready to go and be ready to play. And, you know, we've said it all year, they're going to turn it on in the playoffs. I think the last two playoff games they've showed, they've been ready to turn it on. It's going to be probably a close game. It's the Super Bowl. It's going to be a close game. My final score prediction is going to be 37-27. to 27. I think we see it be pretty close in the first half. But like you say, 
You can hold them this couple of times. You can contain them sometimes, but you can't do it forever. And either Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill is going to find a way to make these guys pay. And I think that we come out and we see the locked on Mahomes because, you know, Tampa's secondary is not that great. They've gotten a lot of turnovers the last couple of weeks. That's definitely helped them, but they are still they are still going to be there to be exposed. The Chiefs are just going to have to work around their issues up front. They're just going to have to buy Mahomes a little bit of time. But then, like you say, if you give the ball to Tyree Killer, McCole Hardman, and there's five yards of separation, that could be six points real quick. And if they can't come up with an answer for Travis Kelsey, I'm sure the Chiefs will just be happy to just continue to feed him. So 37 to 27 for me, it's going to be close until I think about the third quarter. And then I can see halfway through the third quarter, the Chiefs going up by multiple touchdowns and then winning the game fairly comfortably through the fourth quarter or as comfortable as you can be in the Super Bowl. I like it. I'm going to go something Pretty close, pretty similar. I'm going to say 34, 34 to 27, uh, Kansas City. Um, I think it's it comes down to Mahomes once again. I think that the offensive line will play just well enough. There will be some pressure. There will be times where it's going to look pretty bad. I, I think the, the, you got to remember, like you were just saying, you got to remember. This is this is a Tom Brady led offense, um, and a guy that's been to ten Super Bowls now. He is not going to wilt under pressure. He's he's going to be ready to answer and make plays. He's going to have the team focus. Bruce Arians has called games in the Super Bowls. Um, this is an experienced group. They're not just going to just fall over and and crumble because Kansas City's the defending Super Bowl champs. They're there to take the game away from them. Um, it's going to be a close game. I, I think it's going to be back and forth. And I think at the end of the day, it's just going to be the Mahomes factor. He's he's going to make enough plays. He's going to be too good. Um, you know, I, I could see the the defense making some timely sacks um, on some you know good pressures the, from Spags to kind of help seal the game. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to see maybe Kansas City get the ball back with like four minutes and go on one of those Pat Mahomes-esque drives, and Andy Reid put the explanation point on going for it on a fourth down or something like that to seal the game and win by a touchdown and never never let Brady get the ball back. I could definitely see that happening. Um, and the Kansas City Chiefs would ho- will, will hoist their second straight Lombardi trophy. Caleb, why don't you tell everybody what you're working on, where they can find you, and uh, we'll get out of here, man. Well, as always, this season has been an absolute blast. It's been a really great time. Hopefully next week we're coming to you guys with a little Chiefs Super Bowl champion podcast. But as always, you can find me on Twitter at CJ Scoobs. This week I am writing two articles. I did a mock draft uh, for the Chiefs just the other day, so you guys could should come read it and get all mad that, that I chose the Chiefs to take an offensive tackle in the first round, even though I don't know why they do it, except for it would probably help make them a better football team. But yeah, go check that out. And then I'll have an article probably out sometime tomorrow, and it's just going to be called Spags versus Brady or something along those lines. And I'm going to go back and refer to some of their matchups and their history and how Steve Spagnuolo has been one of the better coaches at calling games versus Tom Brady. And then for the GMKC this week, I don't know what a better way to end the regular season of writing than to write an article called Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes 
because I don't know how many of you might remember this or not, but some of the Patrick Mahomes' most iconic plays of his career have come against Tom Brady teams, and I don't expect it to be any different. So enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy whatever y'all are doing for the Super Bowl, and I got nothing else for you. It's going to be a big one this week, though, the biggest one of them all. Yeah, let's. Uh, it's been something else. Incredible year through all the COVID stuff. Um, just to be able to get to this point where we were unsure if we were going to have a season is pretty incredible. And then to watch Kansas City do what they've done on a, on a year where they're coming off of a, the, the Super Bowl win has been amazing to be part of and watch and talk about. And we, of course, appreciate everybody being here and listening with us. Um, we got one more game. Job's not over. The running back tour concludes this Sunday in Tampa, hopefully with the Chiefs hoisting the trophy with potentially Mahomes winning another uh, Super Bowl MVP. Um, That would be the best way to end the year and put a little explanation point on it for sure. But as always, you can find me on Twitter at JDiz1617. Head over to Arrowhead Live. Find all the work that we're doing over there, podcasts, articles, the, the shop, there's giveaways going on right now on Twitter. Make sure you're following that. Some signed jerseys. Um, so all that stuff is going on. So follow us everywhere. Share, like, retweet it, subscribe. Do all that stuff, guys and gals. We appreciate you guys being here. And we'll talk to you next time.